after time across the country, parents standing up and speaking out in an effort to have more say in their kids' lives and their children's education. But it appears President Biden, he doesn't agree, making comments at a teacher's event yesterday that suggests kids don't necessarily belong to their parents. Parents have a fundamental right to be engaged in their children's lives. And oh, by the way, children have a right to have parents engaged in their lives. We needed to fix a wrong. Children don't belong to the state, they belong to families. So I, uh, I just, before we even sat down to do this cast, um, this saw something that kind of put an exclamation point into what our generalized uh, talking point is going to be today, which was a video on TikTok of five police officers coming into someone's house because he, the uh, father there had pierced his daughter's ears without a license and was dragged out of his house by four cops. Okie dokie. And this is kind of where we're going today because I, my daughter's 18 years old. She's just about to finish up her first year of college. I won't say that I am completely done at being a parent yet, but the major work is taken care of. Oh, I would say I would suggest to you that you're you're further along than uh, than I am for sure. But you're you're almost done, sir. Um. But I'm happy to be almost done and not just for the whole, you know, watching my kid, you know, spread her wings and fly off out of the nest. But uh, just the fact that I don't have to deal with the shit that is going on today anymore makes me happier than I can imagine. I do not doubt that. Um, and, and, and so I, I, I don't understand how people even in your position are still not just losing their ever-loving minds when you're being told more and more and more that your I don't, I don't even know if i want to call it parental rights because that sounds a little perfunctory but um that your ability to raise your child is no longer yours well it does happen. Now, it happens a little less in Texas uh, because we're very conservative here as a as a legal entity. However, it's it's coming. I mean, those those kinds of things are, are coming. I'm sure uh, there's there's a lot up for grabs right now. The way I look at it is uh, much of this much can be avoided by simply raising your children right because your children will see what's going on as well if you show them all like one of the worst things you can do for a kid in my personal opinion is try and shelter them from the way the world actually works and well but but we but we we don't want our kids to feel bad anymore well and and that's part of the problem too Right. I, I thought, um, you know, there was a of all things, this line of thought happened while watching a Top Gear episode. Now, follow me on this. I know it's weird. 
It's weird. I know. It's it's strange. Um, Top Gear anyway, parenting. Okay, go for it. I, I'm right. In. So <laughs> the lead, I, I believe it was the lead singer of Blur, was on Top Gear as a as a guest, and he was talking about how you know he. He had a farm and he had terrible cars and, and he liked farming and, and he said, oh, do your children, you know, they have iPads and phones and all that kind of stuff on long journeys. And he goes, no, good God, no, because I think it's important for children to be bored in cars. And I don't know why that sentence struck me, but. It did. I was like, you know what? God damn it. Yeah, it is important for children to be bored in cars. It's also important for children to think and, and for important for children to to understand why the things that are happening around them happen. Like when you were riding in cars when you were a kid. And this is what led me down the path. Of this you're, you're talking about the in the way back with no seatbelt um, hiding in the uh, back window of the car. Yeah. Uh, like standing you, you on the front seat of the car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like those days, right? When you went on a family trip, Griswold style or whatever, there was a certain amount. Now, you knew that there was going to be some perfunctory boredom involved in that trip. You were not going to be entertained 24-7 because it wasn't your parents' job to entertain you 24-7. You were along, you were literally along for the ride. And this is just something that you had to do. And this is what kind of led me to this thing. It's important for children to understand at a very early age that there's some stuff that sucks and you got to do it. And it's just how the world works. You can complain about it. You can try and make it better. You can try and make it worse. You can you can claim to be a victim or whatever. But it's just how life works. And I vowed then and there, I'm like, my kids will understand that's a good idea. My kids will understand that there's some crap that there's just nothing you can do about right now. I'm not saying it's defeatist. It's not Marty McFly's dad where it's like, I just can't take that kind of rejection. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about like <laughs> go and order at Burger King yourself. <laughs> right. You know, like there's stuff you're just going to have to suck it up and do or do without. The, the Burger King thing was a good example, right? So uh, for those of you who don't listen to that cast and do listen to this one, uh, my my eldest daughter, La, got a Burger King gift certificate from one of the listeners that we do from uh, 80s Cheese Movie Review. I think it was Yupix, actually. Uh, no, and, nope, that was actually from Cherie. Oh, that's right. Uh, Yupix got one, but or Yupix did the second one. But the first one she got was from Cherie, and it was that was the one she got around Christmas time. And... Shortly after that, we had some issues around Christmas, so we didn't get to do that right away uh, with Shannon's noggin exploding. Uh, anyway, the uh, she's better now, mostly. Hey, you know, I do have to admit that this does make a a um, a whole different concept when you say "Don't do that; your mother's head will explode." <laughs> I have not made one of those jokes. <laughs> Nobody will find them funny. <laughs> Well, that's why Nobody. I got to make it here, where no yeah, one else. Could. Exactly. That is. That's going to get me killed. Anyway, um, but it was her gift certificate, and I'm like, okay, cool. And she approached me uh, one day. It was like a you know random weekday or whatever. She said, Dad, I, I'm I'm I don't want to eat what you guys are eating. I want Burger King. I have a gift certificate. And I said, you know what? 
that's fair. So we, I said, you're going to have to wait till after dinner. She goes, that's not a, bar, not, not a big deal. Just come get me after everybody's done eating. And, I'll, and if you will drive me, can we go use my gift certificate? I said, absolutely, we can. So she waited. We drove to Burger King, and I parked in the parking lot. And that's when she started to get panicked. <laughs> Dad, what, why are we not in the drive-thru? I said, it's your gift certificate that you got for being on a podcast which you co-host. It's in your name, in in your hand, in your little because I printed it out for her so they could you know get the number and all that stuff. I said it's your stuff. You go order with your gift certificate, your food. This has nothing to do with me. I got you here. I did my job. <laughs> right. We are here. I will take you home. Go in and order. And the look of sheer shock and panic on the child's face. Look, I don't want to do this. Can't we just go through the drive-thru and you do it? No. This is your money. You're going to have to learn how to do this. And at the age of 13, now I had to go in with her because she just she was just started to shake. You know? But it's important to learn some of these lessons. Now, other children, you know, they're going to hear this story and be like, well, my kid orders their own food all the time. Yeah, I know, but. My kid has anxiety, a different anxiety than I do, but she has anxiety, and this is a big deal for her. She well, she doesn't like it. Well, that, that goes into what I've been, you know, and I think has finally gotten through to my own child's head, which is you can have these things like anxiety, um, ASD, uh, little things of that nature that make it difficult for you to interact with people from time to time but it doesn't mean that you can get away in this world without doing so right you will need to find a way to cope through it and that's kind of the lessons that i'm learning or trying to to teach her earlier than i got some of them so one of the things that we're doing is is we are offering our children shields versus coping mechanisms and that's i i think uh, all that all of that to say i think is a mistake i think the more you teach the child how the world is and how you must react within it to to be a healthy or reasonably healthy person of productivity is very different than how mainstream media perhaps may want them to be brought up. And I am a distinct believer in you've got to get this kid life skills so that because one day I'm not going to be there and she will have nothing. She will have no, she will have none of those lessons because I didn't teach them to her. I failed her and well, I won't do that. And so Let's go with the theoretical concept that you and I are decent parents. Okay, well, I know there's uh, people in decent this. Decent may be a stretch, well, but I, I'm I, a parent. As I said, I know there are people out there who would probably disagree with that statement. But we're gonna we're gonna move forward with that theory, because the problem that I'm seeing is is the fact that since there aren't as many people out there these days that are conscientious enough to attempt to be decent parents. What you're having is is you're having other people deciding that they should step in and do it for them, whether that yeah. be teachers, boards of education, the government, uh, counselors, however that may be. It's basically turned into, um, no, 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 we'll do this for you. 
Now, the problem is, is the fact that it's not we'll do this for you. It's no, no, we're going to take them from you. Even those of you who are attempting to do this well. And we're, we're going to do this the way we think we should do it. And you're not even going to have input. I uh, recently saw a someone's testifying before Congress in an educational aspect who, when asked the question, what involvement should parents have in crises with their children? And the response that was given with a straight face was none. Yeah. We have trusted counselors who are there to help these children through this. Their parents should not be involved. I didn't even have an answer. I didn't know what to say with that. This is a it is it is a bad plan. But what it also is is I think to it's a two-pronged effort. One, it's to remove the parents say from the children and and make the children more reliant on other entities. But the other thing is to and I really believe and I know I'm one of the I have my tinfoil hat. It is sitting right over here. <laughs> I'm wearing mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank I you, really, Starby. Yeah, thank you, Starby. Um, I really do believe it is a concerted effort to make the the family unit a thing of the past. Um, I, I I actually agree with you there, and in that I what I find even surprising enough more insidious than that are those who actually have good intentions. Because I well, think this is a road to hell paved with good intentions. I, yeah, I mean, I think some of them do have good intentions. Well, you know, let's take the, the main one that seems to be popping up these days just because it's a hot button, which is gender dysphoria. Okay. Okay. Um, gender dysphoria exists. No, no question under the sun. The question is, is what do you do with a child that has it? Somewhere, I'm personally of the opinion that this should be one of those things where everything, everybody from counselors to parents to the child should all be sitting and uh, medical people, uh, doctors, psychiatrists, all of these people should be sitting down trying to figure out what's going on with this child to help this child do what this child needs to do to be a well-rounded human being. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However... Right now, it's, no, 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 we immediately believe the child. We do not talk to the parents. We make sure that from without parents that they get whatever sort of medical attention they want and need because this 12-year-old knows what she wants. Actually, I'll take it even a step back because you've got been you're doing it to kids that are in elementary school. Um, I saw a statement online where somebody was making making the statement of, well, when, when, when children say these things, we need to believe them. And my response to it was, which I actually did write on the thing, was so when my child was telling me that she was an alien from the planet passing poo, I was supposed to believe her? These are children. This is, yeah, and that's, that's the part that, that I think a lot, of, a lot of lines are being crossed about. Our job as parents 
is to look at our children, our own, not everybody else's, not not collectively, not as a group. As a parent, your job is to look at your child and go, okay, where's the line and are we over it yet? Does she know what she's talking about? Is this a learning opportunity? Is this something I need to protect her from? Is this something I need to have her learn from? Is this something that she needs to know about? Is this important at all? You have to gauge where you are on that line, and you are going to fuck up. But nobody knows your child better, at least if you're a decent parent. Nobody knows your child better than you. So when my daughter looked me in the eye the other day, this is Friday, as this is recorded, she looked me in the eye Friday because we were arguing about something, and she's like, Dad, I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were 13 and you knew everything. I I forgot. And she goes, Dad, I don't know everything, but Dad, I know most things. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing. Like, <laughs> sure you do. Okay. You know, so... Like, you know, as a parent, it's like you don't even know what you don't know. You don't even know the questions to ask, much less know most things. No, you don't. Of course you don't. But as a parent, you can look at that and go, all right, she's an idiot. She's 13. They're all idiots when they're 13. It's fine. We'll do this. But there, there is a concerted effort to whether it be educationally, monetarily, medically, to – simply take that decision-making process out of the parent's hand and either give it to, and I don't know which one's scarier, the educational system, the government, or your child. All right. I'm going to do a, a relational story here, and, and, and it's, it's very similar, but, but bear with me for a second. So they're doing the same thing with this, with, with like finding bad parents as they do with gun violence. Right. They highlight the versions that are abhorrent and that fit their narrative and completely ignore everything else. Right. So here's here's what they'll do. They'll go and find like bad parents who who uh, did uh, uh, like if, if their son was was gay or, or, or a lesbian or something like that, they'll go and put them in in conversion therapy. So that they they stay on the you know the straight path like Jesus thought they should right uh, Mormons are big on this and they'll and they'll go highlight those parents like look these parents didn't care about their child and tried to convert them and use electrotherapy and stuff now we should take their rights away that's what they're doing well, and but but see the, there's a difference between offering resources for young people who need them versus taking the parents out of the process altogether. Look, I totally agree. However, again, I think you're looking at a motive, an overall arching motive that they're they're desperately trying to remove the the family unit from decision making. Because if you want to move an entire populace off center and make them susceptible to whatever the state tells you, you remove the big influences in their life. Well, it is one of those things that people don't even want to address. The simple fact of how many single parent households there are, or shall we well, say... What's the norm now? Well, but but how many of those uh, single parent households are completely fatherless? And the statistics that you look at between 
fatherless children and children who find themselves involved with the legal system is staggering. Yeah. I mean, you can make data say anything, but but it is kind of interesting how um, and I saw well, and I cannot it, well, remember no, no, what. It was, it, well, that was actually an interesting one because somebody tried to manipulate that data and found out something that that nobody wanted to talk about. It was. Is every, it the reverse that that when you have fathers, when you have in a homes? father, when you have a yeah. fatherless home, the chances of them having a interaction with the legal system is dramatically higher. If you have a motherless home, it has next to no effect whatsoever. Okay, say that again. If you have a okay. father if, in the if, home, if you have if you have no father in the home, if you have a fatherless no father home, if you have okay. a fatherless home, okay. the chances that your child is going to be involved with the legal system at some point in time or the other is so disgustingly high it's it's you know, not even worth bearing on. Now, somebody somewhere along the line tried to look at it from the other direction, and the numbers bore out that. However, if you have a motherless home, oh, it makes almost no difference. It makes almost yeah. no difference whatsoever. I heard that too. I wonder if it's true. I, I it, it would be interesting to me that it's not because and, and this is something I've always held, and people argue with me about it all the time. And I, I'm going to say this, and, and people are just going to lose their their brains are going to pop in half. But you learn different lessons from dad than you do mom. They parent differently. Of course. And and it's not that either one has any less valuable lessons than the other one does. But our species, speaking from a biological standpoint, has evolved to use both of those mechanisms, a mother and a father, to create an offspring of well and balanced um, mental state. And 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 progress into society. And that statement in and of itself, right there, is I know, a controversial. I know, statement, and, and it shouldn't be. And it's and it shouldn't be, but but people get way worked up about it. But but still, that like if you want to look at a, at a biological standpoint, that's what we've done. And I think we've kind of forgotten that fathers do have a place in child rearing. Uh, and, and I mean, and this is coming from two fathers. Of course, we're going to say that, but we do. But you do learn different lessons from dad than you do mom because their parenting style is completely different. Well, be, because and to be completely fair with that statistic I said about being involved with the legal system, when you start looking at it in a different direction, which is emotional health. Right. Uh, it goes the opposite direction. Not not having a father in the house was almost was almost inconsequential compared to not having a mother, excuse me, a mother in the house when it came to emotional development. Yeah, no, it's it's very similar to that. And and well, see, it, the, well, the reason why people don't tend to like that statistic is because it bears out completely, totally and utterly gender stereotypes. I, and which is another controversial statement, right? Because yeah, no, no, it, it bears. The, out, I, I understand why that makes people uncomfortable. The narrative days, now, yeah, the, the narrative now is that fathers are surplus to requirement when it comes to raising children, and we are useless and know nothing. And um, mothers are the only thing you need. Therefore, mothers are valued and fathers are not. However, um, as it turns out, 
there are a few things that we contribute on the way. Now, they're not anybody's favorite lessons. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Nobody it, wants to learn what dad has to say. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, exactly. But, but it does make you, in my personal opinion, a more rounded human being. I would not be the same person I am today if I did not have my father, who is, in fact, my best friend. Now, I hated him for 10 years. I hated him. I, I didn't forgive him for some of the shit that he did. Now, what I know now is he was course correcting for my wildly shitty behavior. Well, um, hey, th- th- there's a statement I've made, uh, and people who know me have heard it more times than they can count, which is you're not truly a grown-up until you can look back at what your at your parents and realize that they weren't the either idiots and or assholes you thought they were, or you have incontrovertible proof that they were, one or the other. Yeah, and as I look back on it now, he wasn't perfect. By any no, stretch none of us are. He 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 fucked up as much as he succeeded. However, I know what he was trying to do, and with the tools he had available to him, he did the best he could. And you know what? He screwed up. Okay, but I turned out okay. And that's all he was shooting for. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand, too. And I'll say this, and and I'm not trying to toot dad's horns or anything like that. It's dad's job to take the hit, metaphorically and physically. You are – if if stuff goes down, you're a meat shield, okay? But but emotionally, it's dad's job to take the hit. It's okay for your child to hate you in – in in fact, I would actually postulate, and this is one of those ones that's going to get me in trouble, which is if your children don't hate you at some point in life for at least a year or two, you probably didn't do your job. <laughs> right. It, it's, it's important for them to understand. That goes back to my original point. It's important for your child to understand how the world works and you don't get your way all the time and that not winning is not winning. It's it sucks. And I I tell this to to Kayla all the time and and she doesn't understand what it means yet. I hate losing. I hate losing more than I like winning. I hate losing. Going back to Moneyball, aren't you? Yeah. Well, it's it's the most cleanest way I've ever heard it because it's exactly correct for me. You know, people think I'm competitive and I'm slightly competitive It's because I hate losing. I don't like I don't have to win, but I hate losing. And and she's like, well, what? I said, that's why you have to well, you're going to get set back. You're going to you're going to fail. You are what you do after that failure, right after that failure. Is going to determine whether you're going to lose again. And I said, hurt, you know, it hurts. It sucks. You're mad. You're angry. You're upset. You're whatever. But what you do right after you fail is, is going to lead right into the, the success or failure of the next time. And it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to, to, you know, all those things. But you have to move forward after that. And that's a lesson I think you get from dad normally. Because dad's out there taking it on the chin. And I I, I, that is one of the things that make a successful person or at least a, a productive person is knowing how to fail and knowing what to do after you fail. That's a dad lesson. 
generally speaking, I'm not saying women can't teach it. Of course they can. But it's a priority for dad. Oh, yeah. Because that's what we do. <laughs> oh, well, we royally screwed that up. Let's see if we can fix it. That's what we do. So you learn different things from different parents. Like your mother teaches you emotional security and, and, and how to interact with different people and what that means and how to, you know, how to successfully maintain a relationship with people and, and, and what the feelings mean and all that kind of thing. Dads are really kind of crappy at that. <laughs> we're, we're not great. Okay? Not saying men can't do it. I'm just saying we're coming from behind the eight ball on that one. There's other things that, that, that we've been conditioned to understand. And I think to get a well-rounded human being, and again, this is, highly contentious in, in 2023, I think you need both. Now, it doesn't actually, and this is a, a part that I've always said that in our family um, does as well, that person, either side of that, doesn't actually have to be your biological parent. Uh, it could be an uncle. It could be a grandmother. It could be like any number of people can fill that slot if you're if you don't have one, you know. Uh, my, one of my cousins, his father passed away and an uncle stepped in and that's who he went to when he had to work on his first car and he had to, uh, you know, interview for his first job and he had to, to pick a, a, a major in college and, and all those kind of things. He didn't have a dad anymore. He had to go to somebody else for that. I don't think it's, it's mandatory that your parents fill that role. But you do need to get it from somewhere. Well, the problem we're running into at the moment, though, is that it's not coming from family, friends, people who are close to you, etc. Where the people who are trying to fill that role are institution and organizations. Yeah, that's not right. Well, I'll t I'll tell you another another statistic that has stuck with me recently, and this was one that I sent to. My sister-in-law, who's raising two young boys, uh, which is right now. May may all the spirits of anything listening go with you, madam. Raising two boys sucks. Uh, she would agree with you. Um, <laughs> My mom did that. She is a saintly woman. <laughs> um, there is a t statistic, and I'm going to get this statistic wrong because I do not remember the exact numbers, but even if I'm off by as much as 20%, it is still a horrifying statistic that 85%, no, excuse me, I got that wrong, I'm way off on that one. It was 65% of the uh, eighth graders in the United States in public schools can't read. And I don't mean can't read so like at can't read at the eighth level. grade level or no can't functionally read. That doesn't mean that they can't look at a stop sign and say, oh, S-T-O-P means stop. That means if you give them a book, cannot functionally read well enough to read a book. In eighth grade. Well, then I would say that the government's plan is going spectacularly Davos is doing doing well. But even if let, let's just say I got that completely wrong. Let's say I'm off of that by 20 percent. Just just to give you a, a pass or fail on that one. That still says that close to half of the students in the United States right now are functionally illiterate. 
I look, I uh, I don't disbelieve the statistic. What I'm wondering is how we can look at that as a nation, as a society, and go, this is good for our future. Because it's and it's what I'm kind of complaining about at the moment is the fact that it's not the priority. How your kid feels about the day is more important to the educational system than what they learned today. Yeah, that's backwards. It's, it's and, entirely backwards. And I say that as somebody who has um, a wife, sister-in-law, and several other people that I could go down a list for who all work within the educational system who are telling me the exact same thing. Yeah, I have a sister, two cousins, and a uh, cousin-in-law? I don't know how that works. That are all in the educational system as well, uh, teaching at various levels. And they say the same thing. It's it's not – It's I, I didn't know the, the quotient was that high, but I, it does not surprise me. What, what I wonder at is this is obviously a concerted goal. Right. We're we're driving this politically. This is a politically driven sentiment. If you can't tell, I'm trying really, 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 really hard not to think about it that way. But I'm not saying you're wrong. I know that you're trying not to. But this is a this is something that is coming down from a state and governmental level. Yeah. As I said, I don't want to believe that. I'm having trouble not believing it, but I don't want to. And just because and, I don't want to believe it doesn't mean it's not true, but I just don't want to. <laughs> what is interesting to me is what or, or what's what's, uh, I guess, ponderous for me is like, what goal are you trying to achieve? Because you will never make having a, a small bit even even she's only been 13 for five months now. Even experiencing a 13-year-old for five months and having been a 13-year-old, you can't make a teenager happy. Like, it's not even possible. Like, uh, overall, like, they're, you know, wow, that's a happy 13-year-old. Nobody says that, okay? It's not even possible. <laughs> No, so teenagers try, are angsty and shitty. That's what a teenager that's is. That's what it is. That's what they do. So trying to go and remove all the stress and tension, the being, and I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced of this. Middle school is so that you can teach children how to interact with each other on a more adult level than elementary school. That's all middle school's for. That's all it's for. Because you're not learning – like, who looks back? Can you tell me anyone on the planet who looks back and goes, my God, thank God for middle school. I learned so much. Nobody does that. It's a crappy time for the teachers. It's a crappy time for the students. It's a crappy time for the parents. Nobody likes middle school. It is so that you can learn to interact in a social group in society without killing people or falling to pieces. It's important to have pain. It's important to be upset. It's important to learn conflict resolution. But we're removing that, specifically conflict resolution and conflict in general. We're, we're removing even the stimulus for conflict completely or trying to. You, you mean dodgeball, right? 
<laughs> dodgeball, pronouns, language, um, anything, anything. We're removing contact, context, triggers, anything to, to keep these kids, quote unquote, happy and safe. And it's not possible. That's not how the world works. So when you have these kids come out the other end of this machine after high school or college or what have you, what are they good at? What can they do? How can they support themselves when they don't have the tools anymore? I'm, I'm of the opinion, and this is, this is uh, very controversial in 2023, I know, that it takes conflict, pain, hurt and 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 experiences of those things to become a well-rounded person and if you remove those from somebody they don't know how to function when they actually hit it because when the shit hits the fan and it will you have to either let it hit the fan and go well we're full of shit all righty or step out the way of the fan, okay? One of those two things needs to happen. But every time something bad happens, you can't just fall apart. That's that's not a, a functioning human being. And I, I, I'm curious to know what they think these kids are going to do when they become adults if they have no coping mechanisms or skills. Um, like, what are you going to do? See, I... I it, it, it it's one of those things that that I'm having a trouble time make, getting it to make sense to me because uh, if our evil Bond villain overlords really wanted things to go in that it doesn't make any sense as to why the evil Bond villain overlords even want us around much less want us you know placid and easily controlled because everything's going to go to automation soon anyway. What, what would the billionaires need us common peons for? Yet they're making arrangements for universal basic income so that we can be around for them. I mean, it's kind of like, why? Yeah, just get your seed vault, put it up in the sky, get your, you know, rotating gravity spinny wheel Elysium going. And leave us all on the dirt farm to to randomly breed with the hot ones. Like, that's really what you're setting us up for. Because if we can't read, we can't write, we can't resolve conflict, what the hell are we going to do? And that's kind of where I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, is, is what are they saving us for? <laughs> <laughs> Breeding. <laughs> well, you know, they, they, what they basically want is, as you said, their Elysium up in the sky or up on a mountain somewhere or uh, Washington State or Oregon or wherever it is they want to be. Hell, most of them think California or Oh, no, Washington Elysium. State or Oregon is going to be on fire <laughs> still. Yes, we, yes but they, they think it's Elysium. I don't think anybody living in Washington or Seattle or, or Portland thinks it's Elysium at this point. There's too much garbage, needles, and fires, bricks through windows. I don't, I don't okay. think so. Austin. Austin okay, thinks Austin, it's yeah, maybe. Thinks yeah. it's Elysium. Yeah, no, Austin does, yes. That is 100% um, correct. So I, I guess my, where I'm going is is that it, what, why it doesn't make sense to me is – if we're really going to go that direction, then why aren't why, why do they need us? Why are they even trying to keep us around? Like I said, breeding. They're going to breed with the hot ones. 
the hot dumb ones, but the hot ones. Oh, so so basically, what they're hoping is is that there'll be an, uh, that enough you know genetically random hot chicks will come around that they'll just be able to go. Oh no, no, we want that one. The rest of you can stay here, but the one with the no, big boobies no, no, can no. come. There'll with be us. selective breeding programs. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, we'll give you a government stipend if you have a baby with her, or she has a baby with you, or just give us the eggs and the sperm. I don't know. I I, I had you get a I, rebate on your taxes. When I was in my twenties, I had two hot friends that managed to have the two ugliest children you've ever seen. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like, have you ever seen? Okay, tangentially. Okay, I'm sorry. It's the thing. I've wondered this as well. <laughs> now we're getting into the important issues. Have you ever seen really hot actresses? Okay, like really hot actresses, and then they have children, and you're like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, uh, have, have, you, have you seen Rumor Willis? Y- yeah. <laughs> Her parents were both good looking. Exactly. And you're like, honey, no. <laughs> Demi I... Moore was arguably one of the hottest 50 people in Hollywood at one time. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Willis was a good looking dude. Yeah. Um, no, that that stuff doesn't combine well sometimes. And then sometimes you get like Cindy Crawford's daughter who's like, oh, somebody cloned Cindy Crawford. Okie dokie. Um, like sometimes the genetics plays out and sometimes it really just doesn't. Yeah, I, I had two friends when I was in my early 20s. Uh, the, 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 the male was every bit of what you would call your classically handsome guy i mean we're talking the guy who was the lifeguard that all the chicks hung out hung on i mean literally the stereotypical classically handsome man and he married a woman who was so stunningly beautiful it was painful and these two beautiful people managed to have the two ugliest children you have ever seen isn't Uh, that weird (laughs) and it it was kind of like don't sneak up on me ugly (laughs) <laughs> and and the worst genetics is, plays a part in this that was, or somebody th- didn't uh sleep with somebody and, and this was 20 some years ago and as adults these two are still ugly hey you don't know mom may have been sleeping around who knows i it's it's just kind of one of those it's kind of like wow the, the the lottery just didn't hit on that one <laughs> it's weird it i i never have understood it but yeah see like They'll pick the genetically hot ones and be like, okay, you can come to Elysium, right? The rest of you are escaped from New York. We're going to put you behind the wall, and y'all can kill each other. It's fine. So so basically what they're going to have is satellites in the sky looking for the hot chicks? Now, I know you think that I jest, <laughs> but with the way the government's working right now, do you think that is ethically or morally beyond them? Oh, I don't think there's anything that is ethically or morally behind anybody. I mean, okay. Exactly my point. I know this is not our topic today, but you want to talk about ethically and morally just completely screwed up. Have you heard the the latest uh, Joe Biden executive order? No. Do I want to? Well, are you planning on buying a house anytime in the near future? I hope not. Okay. You you are. Ne- oh, wait. Wait. Is this the um, if you have good credit, you're actually going to be charged more? Yes. Yeah. You're gonna get char- you're gonna get a surcharge that is gonna go to the people who have bad credit if you have good credit. I'm gonna destroy my credit, go buy a house. 
<laughs> Let's put it this way. I, I, I don't have, I, for, for reasons I won't go into, I, I don't have the greatest credit on the face of the earth. I am one of the people who would benefit from this program, and I think this is fucked up. Well, my credit score is no longer going to start with an eight after that, if that's the case. <laughs> I worked very hard to get good credit, and I'll just shoot it now. Like That's the case? If I'm going to actually pay more because I took care of myself... I am going to you you going to my credit's going to start with a 6. I I promise you I can screw it up if that's what's going to be the 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 deal here. I I it's amazing to me. It really is. It's amazing to me that that nobody's saying anything. Like like they're taking our children and and turning well, them into mush and we're not upset about it as a society. I, I'm interested with the election cycle that is coming up to see whether or not someone picks up on this, because I think this is the one hot button that really, when you look at it, that everybody will get beyond. And, and, and if you're looking for proof of that, look at uh, the state, the governor of Virginia. The last election with the governor of Virginia uh, picked up on the fact that the previous governor had made a statement saying that parents should have absolutely no input into curriculum in, in schools and ran with that and uh, went from losing to crushing and won. Is, is, is somewhere along the line somebody going to be smart enough to pick up on that? Otherwise, we're just looking at 2020 all over again. See, I think the reason Donald Trump is not in jail is because the Democrats need him to run against Joe Biden. Because if Trump is available, Biden could be an animated head in a jar and he'd still win. <laughs> I honestly are, are, think are you sure that's that what's Biden happening. isn't an animated no i'm not i am not going to make that statement i think it's very it is absolutely possible that he is a head in a jar he's an animated puppet being driven by like the little dude in men in black that you know like is driving the person and stuff and the head opens up and it's a little alien in a little <laughs> driving he is on orion's belt exactly okay i'm not sure that's not happening right now you know, or or like uh, Robin Williams, you know, like the, the, it's a Muppet. And you're going to see Jim Henson. <laughs> Crap, you're moving them too far. Like, uh, that that was Reagan, and that wasn't far off. It wasn't far off. He was gone. Nancy Reagan was actually running the country for the last four years, for his last term. And, and there are people who are arguing that Jill's doing that right now. Oh, and a fine job she's doing. Hi, NSA. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just stupid. I like he's, I, what I'm curious about is what the end game is. Like, how do you think this is, you can't well, see how this is going to turn out bad. Like uh, really? And that's kind of where I, I went with the, you know, evil overlords. I don't think they have an end game. Well, I really don't think they do. Uh, Oh, I think they've got one, I but it's only I, for the 1%. I think the end game is just to stay in power, keep your job. Yeah, that's the end game. That's the only thing that matters. As so, long as the rich stay in power, nothing else matters. So, so there really is no long-term end game. It's a very, very short-term, what can I get No, it's today? a constant. It's a constant game. It is the, it is the only game, the forever game. 
the, the, the haves stay in power. And if you have enough, you can be part of the club and the club gets to make all the rules. This is no different than it's been in the entirety of society. The only difference is now they're, they're pulling the curtain back because there's nothing we can do about it. So, so yeah, I mean, but realistically, what are our children going to do? Like they don't, I realized when I was in my thirties, early thirties, probably 28, 30 years old that I didn't know how to do anything. Like my father as mad as I was at him, could do anything. He could do sheetrock. He could fix electronics. He could fix the house wiring. He could fix a car. He could bake. He could cook. He could do woodworking. He could do metalworking. He could weld. He could he could do anything. And I didn't know how to do anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. You know, like, I, he knew how all these things because he had to know, right? He had to learn how to do them because he didn't have the money to have, pay anybody else to do them for him. And... I was like, crap, I need to learn how to do some of this stuff. So I set apart or set aside time and, and goals for myself to learn a bunch of skills on how. Now, I have skills that are would, haven't been useful since the turn of the 19th century. You know, I know blacksmithing. I know yeah, well, I know the woodworking. But when the EMP goes off, you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll be, my skill set will be in high demand again. But – but I learned how to do mechanical work, or basic electronics, um, woodworking, metalworking, how to work with power tools and hand tools, how to fix things, how to work with cement, drywall, how, you know, what different stuff was. And I actually created a, a blog to learn how to use tools because I didn't know how to do anything, and I wanted somebody else to pay for me to learn. And it's and you know when we did that, me and and a former co-host of mine, we. We learned so much in so very little time, but I, I still feel stupid. But as much as as I know, I know that there's 70 and 80 year old guys out there, or, or men and women, who have these just unbelievable skills, and they're not passing them on. Well, they're also not the ones in power either. Well, yeah, but they're not passing. Like, no one's interested. Our children are not – I guess to my point, our children are not educated enough to want to learn the skills that, that the elders have have to pass down and they because they don't find value in them because they've never been taught to have value well, in them. Because, because everything is disposable now. Well, again, we've taught them that everything is disposable now. This is the way our society I mean, has taught them to be, because if it's not, you have a skill set, and that's valuable, and they don't want them to have anything valuable. I mean, how, how long does the average person keep their $1,000 iPhone these days? Right. A year? Mm-hmm. And then they just go fund another one to get further in yeah. debt. And it's like, okay, you know, people laugh at me all the time. Sean, how long have you had your phone? I'm like, oh, about four or five years now. I bought it off Amazon. It was uh, fully unlocked. It was two years model over, you know, two year old model, and I bought it for two hundred bucks, and that was four years ago. That's unheard of. People don't do that. Oh, what are you poor? It's like no, I just don't want to give Apple a thousand dollars. No, I'm not doing that. But they don't know how to do anything. So the only thing they know how to do is spend money and replace things and throw things away. And yep. It's sad. Okay. It really is. We have about 15 minutes before you're hard out. So 
after we've spent the past 45 minutes complaining, bitching, and moaning about the young people today, mm-hmm. and, and, and they, they get the government who wants to take them away from their parents, tell me something positive. Oh, you're going to put that on me? Absolutely I am, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> well, you know, I have seen some signs of uh, hope here and there. And one of the things that I see, uh, at least a little bit, there are starting to be programs available to young people that are aimed at the rapid teaching, the rapid knowledge acquisition to acquire jobs. Um, you know, certifications are start. Some of the certifications are starting to come back. Some of the accelerated training for jobs are, are starting to come back. Some of the mentoring in trades are starting to come back. And it's, it's one of those things that bring me hope. It's like, Oh, thank God. You know, like some, because I don't care how sophisticated you are and how disposable your, your, your society is when your toilet doesn't work. You need it to work. <laughs> You're going to have to have somebody who understands what plumbing is to come and fix it. Uh, and I, I stopped for my morning cup of coffee towards the end of last week. And uh, as I was standing in line, there were a couple of tradesmen in line in front of me. And I don't even know what trade they were in. But it was almost a heartwarming conversation to listen to them as the guy was talking about the new employee, the new young kid he was hired for. Me. He was like, the kid showed up 10 minutes early. I almost didn't know what to do. <laughs> we are, you know, it's not happening everywhere. It's not everybody or anything like that. But there are some kids out there who has gotten enough leg up that they have looked around and said, I could do that. Pay no amount of money for it or very, very little be certified in a job that is a good living and not have $100,000 worth of college debt, I'll just do that. And uh, my, uh, well, it's my wife's sister's son, so my step-nephew? I, I just call him my nephew. Anyway. No, no that's, that's, that just counts as nephew. That's not even once removed. Yeah, that's, that's nephew. It's, it's Shannon's sister's son. Uh, he looked around. He just graduated high school um, just this last year and said, I don't want to go to college. Mom, college is not for me. They're super liberal there, and I'm in Texas. I don't want to do that, and I don't know what I'd want to study, and I don't want to be $50,000 in debt for something I don't know if I want. And she's like, well, that's fair. What are you going to do? Are you going to you know, do something else? He goes, well, I thought about the military, but they don't treat veterans very well. And she's like, well, that's actually valid. Uh, what are you going to do? He goes, well, I talked to this guy. He was at the, the, he, they had a job fair at the local, um, community center. And he said he could teach me electrician and heating HVAC repair. And it's a class you go through and it's $1,500. Can I do that? Can I borrow money from you and go do that? And she looked into the classes. They were pretty legit. He, he got a license or a beginner's apprentice license on the other side of it. In Texas, you need one of those. And he did. And he started his job well, shortly after he completed the training and, and did all the stuff. And he's making a good wage now. I mean, it's it's not he's not making millions or anything like that. But he's making $50,000, 60000 uh, if he hustles. And learning the trade 
as as an apprentice and as a journeyman. And this this was a year ago now. And uh, like it worked, <laughs> you know, he's perfectly happy. He gets to work with his his brain and his hands. And, and he has a very stable job, which is super in demand because air conditioning repair in Texas is one of those. <laughs> <laughs> you will never be out of work uh, industries. and Everybody's happy to see you. And uh, it's, it, it, it's it, like it's like it's like heating in Wisconsin. I mean, it's the the opposite, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you will never starve. <laughs> you know, like people always need that. Uh, but I, I have a little bit of hope, right? Like it's it, it it does happen every once in a while where things line up and and they're starting to understand. It's like hmm. But he he made a a very intelligent, as far as I'm concerned, he made a very intelligent decision. I don't want this. I know I don't want this this college thing. It's not my thing. It's obvious. It took quote. Uh, uh, Chris Rock, it's obvious high school was busting my ass. Uh, I don't need to go and compound it with college when I don't particularly have anything I want to do in college. Let me see if there's something else. And in my personal opinion, made a great decision. You know, like this is something like even if he doesn't like it, he'll be able to transfer into something else later, just get recertified for something else or move into a different part of the industry. Well, or I mean, but he, he, whatever. Now, he now has skills. He now has a skill, at it, least a skill. It, it was it was actually kind of funny. I was talking to your wife on Friday and it was funny because she was talking about her job and some of the skills that she had learned. And it was Kind of like, well, if you ever want to go back into field work again, let me know. I will send you some places that do laser repair that are looking for people with your skills. There's no right. educational body for for uh, for laser repair. They're going to need somebody who needs to knows how to work on electronics, and you do. So and she does, yeah. Uh, and she she just learned how to do electronics like a year or so ago. And, it, and, and so it was kind of like, you know, I know you think it's niche, but you know, I will tell you some places to send your resume. Right. You know, she got excited because you know one of the guys at her warehouse is getting certified to train her on forklift driving. She was like super excited. She's like, man. There's all kinds of stuff you can do with a forklift once, license. Once you can drive heavy equipment, dude. Yeah, exactly. She's like, I could get a forklift license. I can get a crane operator license. I can get all kinds of stuff with this guy who knows how to do all this stuff. He's getting certified to to do heavy equipment training, so you can cert he can certify other people in the business. And she's like, Can I get another training? She's he's like, Yeah, I'll certify you. You got to go through the courses. You got to learn the stuff. It'll take you about six months, but yeah, I can do that. And she's like, Yes, I will do that. Because it's a skill. Like, you don't throw away skills, especially if they're paying you to learn them. That's the part that got me. Like, and this is this is something that I think has really <laughs> gone under the radar. When you learn on the job like that, they're paying you to learn. It's the it's the exact reverse of college, where you pay an exorbitant amount to learn very little. They're teaching you very specific skills when you're doing these these courses, these trainings, these apprenticeships and stuff like that. They're paying you to learn, not you're paying them an arm and a leg for the rest of your life to to be crappily taught. <laughs> uh, don't get me started on college, you know, courses nowadays, but but you're being paid to learn a valuable, marketable Real world skill. This is worth whatever it is you need to do to get into it. 
And I, I at least that is it gives me a little bit of hope. It really does. I mean, I, I know people are going to laugh at me and be like, oh, no, that's not how that stuff works. It is. Well, I, I'll add into that a little bit of hope in saying that there's even some places, even some quote unquote colleges that are teaching kids what they need to know. It really kind of caught me off guard. My daughter was bitching and moaning about the fact that she had to take an English class in her art school. <laughs> yeah, you do. Until it until she stopped complaining once she realized what it was that they were teaching her how to write. It was very, very specifically how to present her work. Yep. Once yep, she we... recognized that, she's like, I still don't like the class. I hate to write, but now it makes sense. We had, um, in my art school, we had two classes like that. One was very English-based, very kind of um, literature, or not literature, but, but writing-based. Uh, and the other was very uh, performance-based, so like how to do an interview. And it, it was called uh, Portfolio, and we had Portfolio 1 and 2. And, and we would take all the projects that we were building throughout the, the class or, or the, the, the curriculum – and then putting them into this package and then learning how to write and present uh, uh, both verbally and written that portfolio in order to get a job. Uh, well, she she's hating the fact that they're uh, making her do go a little bit step further for that. It's not even presenting her own. They have her presenting other people's work. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> she's and that's like, a good I don't exercise. know what you did and why. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's part of what you need to learn. If you want to be a functioning artist, if you want to be a production artist, you are going to need to be on a team where people did things and you're going to have to explain them. And half the time, and I know this is true because ask me how I know I've been there. You have no idea why they made those decisions. They're dumb. They made the wrong decisions and you're going to have to present them like you are super excited about it. <laughs> that's just part of, part of being a creative team right and these are skills she needs she doesn't know she needs them yet but she needs them and it's it's a it's a great way it's a sign of a good curriculum that she's learning to present that and do that now because a lot of times what these art colleges will do is just you know give you a bunch of work spin you out and go well good luck I, you know, I, I'm kind of I have to admit that I'm very, very proud of her because uh, she appears once again, appears to have taken the little piece of information I passed on to her from you uh, to heart, which was the person who works the hardest, not necessarily the one that's the most talented, <clears throat> but the person who works the hardest is the one who's going to win. That's 100 percent true in a creative environment, in a professional creative environment. It's not when it's when it comes down to the work you produce. It's not the most talented person. Oh, it's it, never the most talented person. Well, she, She's been quite verbal about the fact that there are students there who she will admit are a hundred times more talented than she is that are flunking out because yeah. they're not working nearly as hard as she is. The, the effort and the work will, will get you the job, will get you the A, will get you the success, where sheer talent – and this is really what a lot of creatives don't understand. A lot of creatives get to art school on sheer talent. You can't graduate art school on sheer talent. You have to work, and it's the same in a production environment. If she ever gets into a professional production environment – 
it is the the level of work you're willing to complete not the because they can teach you their method or their skill or their whatever it is or their style they can that that will be dictated to you or for you or or by the client or any number of outside factors other than your brain what they can't teach you is how to work and that will separate sinking and swimming it honestly will every every time i have been in the industry for 20 some odd years and i've been a creative for most of that time work will separate you <laughs> one person will have a job when the nut cutting comes due <laughs> that's always going to be the one that went yeah didn't they like produce more than most of their team yeah we'll keep that one <laughs> the rest of them can go <laughs> well on that positive note do you have anything else for us this week oh i think i've rambled on and pissed off enough people this week <laughs> well then uh, Sean has family matters, and I have laundry to do. As, as usual, life continues and moves on. Have a good weekend. There are rich teams, and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us.